Hello, friends. I am so happy that you found my podcast. This podcast is actually meant for everyone, young or old, male or female. My hope is that during this time that you and I spend together, that you will be encouraged and blessed. Life isn't always easy at times, and I believe that God is leading us as Christians to help support one another. And my way of doing this is through this podcast. I hope you enjoy our time together and know that Jesus loves you, and so do I. Hey guys, it's Alicia with the Reflecting Heart Podcast. Uh, Welcome to Monday. (laughs) It's been Monday all day. It's been a great day though, and I just want to thank God for everything that He's doing in our lives and that He's so evident in our lives and we don't have to look very far to find Him. So, but I do want to uh, start out our lesson today and we're going to be studying about Genesis 4, Genesis 4 through 6. And so we're going to call this lesson the Unpleasant Sequel. So Genesis 4 is the unhappy sequel to the sin of Adam and Eve. The repercussions of their actions are now showing. So they begin to have children. They have their first son. His name is Cain. So then they have a second son. His name is Abel. So we have Cain and Abel, the two brothers. So um, Cain and Abel, they both give offerings to God during you know their time um, on earth. And that is what, what they do for God's favor is they have these offerings. So Abel, the younger brother, he was a shepherd. And what he did for his offering was he offered the fattest of his sheep as an oblation to God. But Cain, he was a farmer and he was a miserable farmer. And he gave God only a bunch of grass and some worthless seeds. So God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. So it was an indication that Abel was more righteous than Cain and thus more worthier. And so Cain murders his younger brother, Abel. So and you have to ask yourself a lot of times, this can go in, in many different directions. But first of all, do you understand what jealousy is? We definitely can see that Cain was jealous of Abel. But we also see that Abel was more, he was more in tune with giving God what he felt like was the best offering. He didn't just give him, you know, the scraps that he could find or he didn't give him the weakest, you know, sheep that he could find. He gave him the fattest sheep out of his flock. And Cain, you know, just a bunch of grass and some seeds. So not anything that was going to grow into anything. So we have to ask ourselves a couple different questions. You know, are we giving our best to God on our daily walks? Because we no longer have to offering him, you know, sacrifices and we don't have to make offerings to him outside of our hearts and in our belief and our faith in him and acceptance of Jesus Christ. But, you know, what are we doing in our daily walks? What are we offering? What are we doing? So anyway, Cain, he sulks and God tells him, if you do what's right, 
will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. That's Genesis 4 and 7. Cain doesn't master it. It masters him, and he kills Abel out in the field. So when the Lord asks Cain where Abel is, Cain gives his infamous reply, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Genesis 4 and 9. So Cain is caught in his sin and he follows his parents' lead. Evade responsibility for your actions. The ruse doesn't work with God, though, because God condemns him to be a wanderer of the earth. Cain goes out from the presence of the Lord, which tells us that he is now even further estranged from God than his parents are. So certainly the sins of the father have fell on over into the next generation. So in the New Testament, 1 John 3 and 12, it tells, Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. This offers us one explanation of why God accepted Abel's sacrifice but not Cain's. We can also see in this verse how Cain's evil name established a pattern which we'll see again and again in the Bible and throughout human history. Bad people persecute good people, often with no sense of guilt. Besides being the world's first murderer, Cain was also the first persecutor. After Cain being cursed to be a wanderer on the earth, there follows one of the great puzzles of the Bible. Cain takes a wife. Where did she come from? Presumably, the only living people on earth were Adam, Eve, and Cain, right? So, the only sensible answer is that Adam and Eve had daughters who were not named, and Cain married one of them. There's a lot of different speculation as to what the truth is. You can look at this puzzling question from so many directions and so many different people will tell you so many different things you know maybe god you know when he created you know his creation he went ahead and made more people and put them outside the garden well did he no why would he do that why would he put two people in the garden and then put other people on the earth and because god intended for them to live in the garden of eden the entire time he didn't want them to sin so we have to just kind of look at it and go okay what makes common sense and is it really worth speculating over, arguing over? No, it's really not. So, three generations later, there was a descendant, which is Lamech. And Lamech not only takes one wife, but he takes two. So, things are degenerating. So, a handful of people exist on the earth. And already, there's murder, polygamy, and neither of them are part of God's original plan. Lamech is not only the first polygamist, but the first person to brag about his violent nature. He boasts to both of his wives that he killed a man for wounding him. He is ecstatic at being vengeful. No principle of an eye for an eye for Lamech, but rather a life for a wound. And that is Genesis 4, 23-24. He never gives a thought to whether his actions might displease God, and he himself decides what is good and what is evil, exactly the privilege that Adam and Eve sought when they disobeyed God. 
So Adam and Eve had another son. And this is where Seth comes in. And why Seth is so important to Christians. Okay. So from Seth, all human beings descend. Since he is the ancestor of the famous Noah of the flood story, Genesis 5 tells of the generations between Seth and Noah, giving us the interesting detail that Adam lived to the ripe age of 930 before he died. This tells us something about God's mercy. Adam's death sentence was delayed nearly a thousand years. God kept his promise that Adam would surely die if he ate the forbidden fruit, but a suspended sentence of 930 years still shows a lot of compassion. So a few generations, you have Methuselah. Methuselah breaks the, the record of living the oldest in the Bible, 969 years. So he's the oldest. But more interesting than Methuselah was his father, Enoch, who walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Genesis 5, 24. Meaning what? We aren't completely sure, actually, what that even means. In the Bible, walked with God always means lived a moral life. So the story suggests that God was so fond of this righteous man that he took him into heaven without Enoch dying. So he is one of two people that did not die. They actually went straight to heaven. So, from the generations between Abel and Noah, Enoch is the only person mentioned as having been a righteous man. So, in the New Testament, the letter to the Hebrew commends Enoch as the one who pleased God. So, that was Hebrews 11 and 5. The amazing lifespans reported in Genesis, they can't help but raise a question. Do people really live hundreds of years? No one knows for sure. Don't we love that that's the answer for so much of this? No one knows for sure. So when we say we walk by faith, we live by faith, that's what we mean. We're saying everything is on faith, you know, that we trust the stories and we, you know, accept it into our hearts that this is the way that it happened and there will come a day that we'll have the answers, but it's just not today. So... But anyway, perhaps the importance of the stories is that the gradual shortening of, of man's lifespan was the result of the increasing wickedness on the earth. So if they lived to be 969 years old, Methuselah did as the oldest man. And then in the Bible later on, it tells us if we live into our 70s that we've had a blessed life. So... Uh, by Genesis 6 and 3, God decrees that the days of the long, long lives are over, that man's normal span will be about 120 years. Later, of course, it will become even shorter. So Genesis 6 connects the shortening of the lifespan and the wickedness on the earth to the marrying of the sons of God and the daughters of men. Now, this is when it gets interesting. <laughs> so pay attention. So these verses in Genesis 6, 1 through 2 have puzzled people for centuries. Who were these sons of God and daughters of men? So verse 4 speaks of the offspring of the sons of God and the daughters of men, which are called the Nephilim. The Nephilim are the heroes of old men of renown. In the book of Numbers, Nephilim refers to Canaanite giants 
that intimidated the Israelites. We already know the story of one famous giant <clears throat> and one famous Israelite, David and Goliath. And some interpreters think that it is giants that are being referred to here when we talk about the Nephilim. However, the word can also mean fallen one. And while no one has satisfactorily explained who the sons and daughters were, there is an interesting moral lesson in the puzzling passage. The great heroes of the distant past were usually violent, promiscuous, immoral men. And they're not heroes in God's eyes. So on the contrary, their exploits are part of the wickedness that leads God to shorten the human lifespan. Now, another thing that you may have heard about is um, fallen angels that fell to earth or angels that chose to have relations with humans and they created this really, really um, weird breed of um, human that was, you know, I, I don't even, I can't even hardly comprehend what that would be like. So a lot of times you'll hear people talk about, talk about the Nephilim in that regard. It's where fallen angels have went on to have children or relations with humans and children were produced. So the author of Genesis was actually taking a slap at pagan mythology and its gods and its heroes who were often described as the offspring of gods and human women. Now, these might have been heroes in their own culture, but judged by God's standards of morality, they were selfish abusers of their fellow human beings. High station, but low morals. So, following the description of the wicked ones, Genesis introduces us to a real hero. And so, for tomorrow's lesson, we're going to talk about Noah. And so, I hope you guys are able to uh, start seeing how the pieces are starting to come together and you're having some um, answers. I know that I'm talking about this in more of a simple tone and educational manner, but there's a purpose because... So many of us, you know, we might sit down to read the Bible and go, I don't, I don't understand anything I just read. There's a blessing in sitting down to read the Bible, but sometimes you, you want things to be made as clear as you can get them. So for us as a human, we want to be able to establish a storyline because that's what we're taught our whole lives in schools, establish a storyline. So as we see, you know, we've got the Garden of Eden, we have Adam and Eve sin. We have the children that they had. We had the very first murder. Then we go on and we have Lamech who, you know, brought in polygamy to, <laughs> you know, the world. So he not only married one, but had two and probably even more wives than that. So, you know, it's, um, it's definitely something like, so if you look at an, another thing is if you look at other religions that promote polygamy and things like this, that's where they get this start from. So, Everything is uh, founded in a seed somewhere, you know. So <clears throat> somebody might have this belief uh, because of something that they read. You know, if they follow more along the line of the Old Testament, then, you know, some religions were established and formed at that time. And some of them are still, you know, uh, apparent in our lifetime today. So because there are many people that believe in polygamy and they believe, you know, that um, it's acceptable um, it is my 
opinion and my belief with God that we have um, marriage with one man and one woman because that's how God created us from the original. So, um, you know, am I to sit and judge anyone that does anything different? No, I'm not your judge. I'm, I'm just someone who can, you know, come along and try to teach you some things about the Bible to educate you so that you have a firm foundation to stand on. So, um, during these lessons, I will never be one to sit here and tell you, you know, that you are living your life wrong because you're doing this when, trust me, um, every man sins. And so you just have to pick out my sin. So, um, that's one of the things that's been the biggest maturing process for me is that we all sin and you can't pick out a sin that you don't like just because you don't do it and stand, you know, headstrong against that sin while you yourself sin in another way. So we're all simple nature creatures. We all sin in some manner. The thing is that there are those of us that are trying our best to make it to heaven, to be able to worship with God, to be able to, you know, go back to that original plan to where God does have, you know, communion with us to where he spends his time with us and we spend our time with him. And that's what we need to focus on. Um, definitely not focusing on everybody's sins. So please, you know, while we're doing this, just understand that I'm not going to sit and pinpoint things. Uh, I'm not going to say this person is wrong for doing this or that person's wrong for doing that. I'm just going to say, you know, try to look at it the best that you can from God's eyes and ask God to give you an understanding. And if there's not an understanding, ask God to keep you, you know, uh, keep hold your tongue, <laughs> you know, because sometimes just acts of love, you know, mean so much more than anything. But I, I get off on another subject. I have to be careful and make sure that I stay on target here. But um, so tomorrow we're going to talk about Noah. And we're going to learn about Noah and how he was a righteous man and he was blameless. But we're also going to find out about some sins that Noah committed. So because he was not perfect. So just like we're not perfect. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and do our prayer for today. And so I hope you'll pray with me. Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, Lord Jesus, Lord, as we come before you today, we thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us, Lord, this opportunity to be able to continue to work for you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to talk to others about you and your greatness. Lord, I thank you for giving me a loving heart, a kind heart, Lord, a heart that forgives because it's in this world today, it's it's not there. And we don't have that emotion toward others anymore. And we've all learned through being hurt and abused that just worry about yourself, you know, and, and that's what we're going to do. But Lord, there's so many people that are hurting and so many people that need a, just a touch of love from you. And Lord, I want to be able to be the person that you might use, Lord, to just bring a smile to someone else's face, that you might use other members of this group and of this podcast, Lord, to just touch someone else's heart. Because sometimes all we need is just a gentle reminder from another person that there's a fight, there's a battle, but we're going to win. We know the end of the story. You've already gone ahead and given us the end of the story, and we don't have to wonder. We win. We know. 
But during that time, it hurts in between and there's pain and there's confusion and we don't understand why. But Lord, that offers us an opportunity to be able to come together as your people, to bond together. Lord, to try to help the healing and the wounded and those that are lost in our daily walks. Lord, I pray that you would be with each one of us, that you would forgive us of our sins, Lord, and show us the things in our life, Lord, that are not becoming of you. Things that you want us to work on, things that you want us to overcome. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us with those things. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. Again, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hope you guys have a blessed day. And I will definitely talk with you guys tomorrow. If you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out into the Facebook group, uh, the Reflecting Heart podcast group. We're happy to talk to you guys about anything. If you need some privacy, just message us. So we're happy to talk to you guys. Remember that Jesus loves you, and so do I. Bye, guys.